the Holy Gospel, according to St. John, the sixth chapter. Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told the disciples, Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, "Indeed, This indeed is the prophet who is coming into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land to which they were going. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Christ. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. <laughs> ever carry anything in your pockets? Yes, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. What do you carry in your pockets? Money. Money? Okay. Carry a stuffed animal. A stuffed animal. Nice. 
Pennies? Nice. Um, something I, I don't know. Not sure, just a mixture of stuff, right? Good. Every once in a while? Yeah. As I, as I get older, I carry more and more stuff in my pockets. Sometimes I'll put my phone right here. I usually put my keys right here. I usually have my wallet right here. I got one. In these pockets, there's a pen and some old papers. There's nothing in this one. I keep it as a spare. A lot of times I'll put a pen or notes from the day in my shirt pocket. Um, how about you, you take stuff that is secret? Secret? Sometimes there are secrets, but a lot of times I just have stuff in my pocket I need to carry. Oh, there's your wallet. There's my wallet. Here's my wallet. It's small, isn't it? But it holds a lot of potential. Yeah. Who does this belong to? You. I disagree. The bank. <laughs> also, I disagree. Who does this belong to? Pastor uh, Ben. Nope. No one. Nope. I don't know. Who does this belong to? You. Nope. This is God's. Now I hold it, and I use it, but this does not belong to me. I do work every day, and I collect it, and some people give me things, and I collect it too, but this does not belong to me. This is God's. All the things we have belong to God. Like cars? Like cars, like houses, like money, like churches. pennies, like churches. And like a microphone? Like a microphone. Electronics. All things, all things belong to God. Now, here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine the last thing you had in your pockets. It might be a stuffed animal. It might be some pennies. It might be who knows. Yeah, even the, girl, even the world belongs to God. Even the world belongs to God. That's right. I want you to imagine the last thing you had in your pockets. And I want you to just kind of imagine it in your hands. Can you do that? Very good. Imagine those things in your hands. Kind of do this. Can you hold them? Imagine you're holding them. I want you to think that whatever is in your hands right now that you're imagining, that belongs to God. Now, how would God have you use that? What would God do with the thing you have in your hands? Maybe keep it in your pocket. Sometimes that's good. Maybe give it to your friends. Sometimes God gives us gifts where we're supposed to use them so that we can live. We need food too. We need shelter too. Sometimes God gives us gifts where we're supposed to give them to friends and family. Sometimes God gives us gifts where we're supposed to give them to strangers and the unknown. But everything we have and everything we hold, these things belong to God.
And we're supposed to use them, everything in our pockets and everything else, in a way that would be like God would be. Yes. Very nice. Should we pray? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for everything in our pockets and everything else. We ask that we might share these gifts with one another. That we might be just like your son, Jesus. And giving everything we have away, selfishly. And yet still seeing that you provide for us. Thank you for being a God that dwells with us. Thank you for being a God that gives us love and sharing in our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Selflessly. In the name of Jesus, amen. To whom does the kingdom of Israel belong? God. Yeah. We've been studying this kingdom. We've been studying these people. We've been studying our predecessors this whole summer. And this kingdom began with the covenant that God made with Abram and Sarai, Abraham and Sarah. This kingdom began with the covenant that God made with a people, not so they might hold this kingdom as theirs, but so that they might be for the earth a blessing. That all the families through them will be blessed. They have something in their hands and in their pockets. A kingdom. And it is not theirs. Eventually we see how they cried out for a king, right? At one point they were led by God. They were led by judges. Eventually they cried out for a king. And God gave it to them. God gave them Saul, who didn't do fantastic. God gave them David, who was seen as a very good leader. And now today we see once again a leader of Israel. Someone who's been trusted with a position of power. Treating not just things in Israel, but people in Israel as if they are his. To whom does the kingdom belong? God. Not David. God. Why? What makes a good king do something like this? And unless we're confused, realize... That David is not right in any way, shape, or form in what he's doing. The story makes it clear. This is a time when kings go out to battle. David is not with his army. This is a time of war, and David is not leading. This is a time when everyone else is working. Joab, Uriah, everyone. And David gets up in the middle of the afternoon after a nap. 
This is not David being in the right spot. This is not David doing well. This is also not proper behavior towards another human being. There's nothing in this text that suggests that this is what David should be doing. This is David leering, and this is David grabbing, and this is David taking another human being. Another person of the covenant, just like he is a person of the covenant, another person beloved by God, another person claimed by God, and this is David not recognizing any of that, but seeing this individual, this woman, simply as an object to be taken. This is not right, and this is not good. Make no question. So why? Why is David doing this? There's no good reason for it. I think, I think that maybe, maybe, we can call this temptation. But I worry about calling it that because temptation is so familiar to us. And so often, I think, we have the experience of giving into it and we shrug our shoulders and say something like, well, we've all fallen short and then go along our way. And while that is true, that is not a good response in this case. That's not a good response in any case. What does David hold? David holds the power and responsibility of a kingship and not just a kingship, a kingship of God's people. And everything that David has from the couch he just got up from to all the people that he holds power and authority over, all of that belongs to God too. And yet, for some reason, it has been adjusted so that he thinks that it's okay to serve himself. We have two things here. We have a sin that it's not very easy to look over. We have a sin that is damaging and will become deadly to multiple people involved. And we have a God who pronounces, yes, forgiveness to this terrible, terrible act, but not permission and not acceptance of this terrible, terrible act. You see, God did indeed love us while we were dead in sin. But that does not mean that God wants us to keep on sinning. God did and does indeed love us knowing our struggles with our sin, but that does not mean that God wants us to stay here. God does indeed love us just as we are. Not needing us to do anything to earn this love and not needing us to be anything for this love, but that does not mean that our sin against God and against one another must continue. Consider the works of your own hands. Now in a sermon like this, you might think to yourself, well, surely I'm not David. 
but consider the works of your own hands. What do you hold in your pockets? What do you have at your disposal? What has been placed inside of your control, inside of your authority? For some of us, it is very little. For some of us, it is a lot. For all of us, there is a great temptation, just like the core of David's temptation, to consider the things that we have and that we hold earned by our own hand, or in other words, owned by us. Should God not have wanted, you would not have the hands to earn these things. And should God not have blessed you, you would not have the skills to hold them. Should God not rain down blessing on you, you would have nothing. And should God not smile upon us, we would not have things to steward and to share. You own nothing. You have nothing. You have earned nothing. And I know you have sweated and worked much longer than I. But you and I, nothing. All we have and all we are belongs to God. And the minute that we change our orientation, the minute that we see something else, we stand beside David fully capable of bringing pain and hurt to those around us by our selfishness, by our greed, by being turned in towards our own desires and not turned out towards the desires of God and God's people. So, I want you this week each time you stick your hand in your pockets or in your purse or wherever you keep your things. Count the keys. Think of all the things you have access to that you have authority in. I want you to count the credit cards and the debit cards. Think of all the things that you have accumulated and that you have wealth over. Touch your insurance cards, dental cards, your high care cards. Think of all the things you have access to. I want you to touch the doorknobs that easily open for you. I want you to touch the things that you purchase quite easily. I want you to touch the spaces where you don't have what you need. I want you to think of everything that you have. Touch the papers, touch the files, touch the keys, touch everything. And I want you to say gently and firmly to yourself, this belongs to God. And when you find yourself with nothing, and when you find yourself empty, touch the water that flows freely through your faucet. Make the sign of the cross upon your forehead. And say, this belongs to God too. You belong to Christ, in whom you have been baptized. Alleluia. And God will provide good things for God's people. You need nothing. For God will provide. You have nothing. For God has provided.
stewards of God's things. That all God's people might be fed and nourished and have the things that they ought. Learn from David. In the name of Christ. Amen.